In today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we have several injury updates and a look ahead to this weekend's fab. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Friday, April 9th. I'm Al Melchior. I am here with Derek Van Riper. So DVR, uh, unfortunately, as always, uh, let's start with the injury updates here. Uh, Cattell Marte, he has been placed on the injured list by the Diamondbacks with a hamstring strain. So uh, it seems like we've brought up Tim LaCastro a lot just in this very short uh, bit of a season and uh, spring training. Uh, but now it does seem like maybe this is the time where he's going to play quite a lot. Yeah, and I think the funny thing about Tim LaCastro continues to be that opposing teams know that he wants to run when he gets on base and they still can't stop him. So he's great for a short-term steals play. I'm curious to see as they get a little healthier if he kind of falls into a semi-regular role right away. Is he going to be capped at all? Like, Is he going to be four starts a week or is he actually going to get everyday run even though it's going to be temporary? Yeah, well, you know, and it also depends on when Cole Calhoun comes back. But I just think back to 2019 when, you know, there wasn't really a clear spot for Lucastro, but he was really a part of a rotation and, and got enough playing time to certainly be useful to people in, in deeper leagues. And I think at this point, maybe that's still the best that we can hope for. But yeah, I think it's a really interesting situation and one that looks like, it, at least in the short term, it's going to open up for him. But let's go to some better news, DVR. We see the season debut, the return of Eduardo Rodriguez and a pretty nice start against the Orioles. Now, granted, because it is the Orioles, uh, I think it would have been a disappointment if he if it wasn't anything but you know, pretty good. But I think, you know, we still have to be impressed. Five innings, three runs on four hits, no walks and seven strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, that's as much as you could hope for. I think if you were concerned about Rodriguez, given the way spring training ended, he was supposed to start an opening day and and couldn't, I like, it was an easy matchup, but he crushed it. And that's all you can ask for. So uh, hoping that he stays healthy because when healthy, Eduardo Rodriguez has shown that he could probably give us at least a high threes, maybe even a mid threes ERA as a ceiling sort of outcome with a good whip and plenty of strikeouts. Very important for Boston too. whatever slim playoff hopes you want to put on the Red Sox this year. I think hinge on Eduardo Rodriguez staying healthy, among other things. Absolutely, it does. And let's get to some more good pitching news here. Zach Gallen threw 67 pitches at a camp game. And the really good news here is that he didn't experience any pain. He did throw his curve. And that's really the pitch that caused the problems for Gallen. No pain uh, after the 67 pitches. So, you know, we still don't have a definitive timeline. But I think we can we can only read that as an encouraging development. Yeah, I mean, I'd would think if he's throwing 67 pitches in a camp game, he's not far away from possibly throwing 80 in one that counts. I think that was one of the weird things about the injury when he suffered is that he could keep throwing. Uh, given it was an arm injury, that's not usually the case. So how much it impacts him, you know, he had no pain while throwing his curveball. How do hitters respond to that pitch? Does it still move the same way? Can he still throw it as often as he would ordinarily throw it? Those are the types of questions we really won't have an answer to until he gets back out and is facing an opposing team. 
All right. Well, we have just a few more here. Uh, injury updates. AJ Puck on the injured list. So it's been, in, again, a short season, a real roller coaster ride for Puck, but uh, he's down now with bi- a bicep strain. And another update here on George Springer. Uh, he now has a low grade quad strain on the last episode. We talked about uh, this new injury for Springer. Fortunately, this seems like a pretty minor one and doesn't appear that it'll derail him for much longer uh, than he would have been anyway. Trevor Rosenthal, as uh, it was surmised, he did have the thoracic outlet surgery. So we're talking about months uh, that Rosenthal is out, but we broke down that A's uh, closer situation on the Thursday show. Uh, so I don't know that there's really anything more there to talk about Rosenthal, but let's talk about the Marlins closer situation DVR. Anthony Bass on Thursday blew his second save out of two chances. That's a bad percentage as my math uh, tells me. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good start to the season for Anthony Bass. Um, Don Mattingly says he's sticking with him. Now, you know, we've been through this drill many, many times with many managers and many closers where they give a vote of confidence, but sometimes it's just, you know, one more bad outing and and that's it. So it does seem like Bass is on shaky ground here. Uh, is it time now, maybe before a change is actually made to speculate on who's up next? I think you want to speculate prior to the change happening if you want to save precious fab dollars. You may not have that luxury, though, if your league doesn't run fab until Sunday night. Uh, a lot can change between now and then. Yimi Garcia pitched in front of Bass, uh, was pretty efficient, only threw eight pitches to get three outs, had a strikeout. He looked really good last season. I think the thing that I've always been concerned about with Garcia it was at the end of his time with the Dodgers, he had a major home run problem. And in the shortened season, it wasn't there, but it was such a a small number of innings. You can't say that he necessarily fixed that problem. So while I think Yimi Garcia is the player you'd want to speculate on, if they're going to replace Anthony Bass in Miami, I think he'd still be in one of the bottom tiers of closer rankings. He's not necessarily the kind of guy that you want to throw 20 or 30% of your budget at. You want to try and throw 5 to 7% of your budget at him before it's established that he's the guy and even even less if you can do that, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I would agree that he would seem to be the one to target uh, both in terms of usage and in terms of just looking at the skill profiles. Looks like he would be uh, pretty effective as a closer if that skill set does uh, translate from just, you know, moving back one more inning uh, from the eighth to the ninth. Um, but like you said, the home run problem, maybe it's something that Marlins Park can can help fix a little bit. Uh, so let's take a look ahead to the Friday slate. Not a big one and not one that's really loaded with great streaming options, but there's one DVR that I feel like is, is a must add. And I have to say, I'm surprised that at this point that Taylor Widener is as available as he is. Doesn't have necessarily the best matchup. He gets the Reds and Tyler Malley, but, uh, to me, he's the, if you want to stream somebody, he's the, the superior option and one really who's worth taking a chance on. Right. I mean, he's actually at home, so that's nice. Like just the fact that he's not going into Great American Ballpark. But anytime we're looking for streamers, and especially if it's someone who's not working with a long big league track record, we want to take those chances on guys pitching at home. There's a slight edge to that. The numbers bear that out, uh, just in terms of calls you get as a pitcher. For Widener, I think my question is how does he change his pitch mix over time? I think he threw too many fastballs in that debut against the Padres, even though it was a good debut. His fastball is not very good. His changeup is his best pitch. His slider can be pretty good, and his command's not bad. 
But I think he has to find a way to get down to like a 40-30-30 split or get a fourth pitch mixed in. He has to do something to really keep hitters guessing because if he becomes too fastball dependent, a good lineup as they see it, especially the second and third time to the order, could do a lot of damage. I agree with you, though. Of the widely available pitchers going on Friday, Widener is probably the most interesting option to stream. Yeah, no, a very risky one. But one that I thought was worth at least talking a little bit about is Julio Tehran, just because he does get Cleveland. I think that that, that is a matchup to pick on, uh, given the state of that lineup. Now, they don't strike out very much. Um, so that's certainly something if you're looking for strikeouts, picking on Cleveland is not necessarily going to work out for you. But Tehran, particularly at this stage of his career, it's really about contact management. He did do well. He, he pitched against Cleveland in his uh, season debut for the Tigers. Uh, so he's got Zach Plesak as, as his opposite number. So, you know, I think that's about as favorable as it gets in that rotation. And Tehran, he is throwing much harder than he did last year. Uh, but in that first start, he threw more than 50% sinker. So even with the greater velocity, I still think you, you can't uh, pick Tehran if you're looking to get strikeouts. Right. I'd be concerned about strikeouts, but Tehran was better than most people realized in 2019. A 381 ERA and a 132 whip really isn't that bad. He struck 162 batters out over 174 and two-thirds innings. If he was going to give the Tigers those numbers this season, that means he's had plenty of streamable starts to get there. And a team like Cleveland, even though they don't strike out much, it's a very middle-happy lineup, right? It's not top-heavy, so I'm going to say it's middle-happy. Like, the few hitters in the middle that you're afraid of but generally, the bottom half of the order, especially, not a group you're worried about. So I do think Tehran could exceed expectations in this spot. And he's the kind of guy that, because the numbers were just so bad in the shortened season, a lot of people want nothing to do with him right now. Yeah, I think it's a great example of uh, where maybe you're overweighting that season. Not you, specifically DVR, but one can overweight last season uh, to your own detriment. Uh, let's uh, take a look at this weekend's fab options in terms of two-star two pitchers. If Freddy Peralta's out there, you can't afford not to bid on him. Uh, a couple of home starts against the Cubs and the Pirates. Pretty nice matchups, and uh, he should really pay off for you, I think, over the long haul. Uh, how aggressive would you go on Freddy Peralta if he were available? Yeah, probably 15% or more of a budget. I mean, I think he's going to be in the rotation throughout the season. I think we're going to see three good pitches from him consistently by the end of the season. It's something he's been prioritizing. I know it was mostly like fastball curveball for him against the Cubs in that really good start uh, earlier this week. But I, the sky's the limit, and I think the Brewers' bullpen, when it's right, is so good at protecting leads. It's a little bit rocky right now. Devin Williams hasn't quite looked like the 2020 Devin Williams so far, but he had a late start to spring. So I think as we move a little further into the season, there's a good chance he'll kind of get back on track. Hayter looks phenomenal right now. As you think about any of the Brewers starters, when they leave after six innings with a lead, that lead should generally be very safe. I know we just saw a bullpen meltdown from them on Thursday, but wipe that from your memory realize this actually is going to be one of the league's better bullpens protecting those leads. Uh, yeah, all good reasons to bid aggressively, as you suggested, uh, for Freddie Peralta. 
And I made a case in this week's uh, Next Week in Baseball, which is uh, sort of our our twist on a planner this year, uh, made a case that Wade Miley's just really perennially underrated. And he's got pretty good matchups this week. He's got the Giants in San Francisco, and then he's got that Cleveland team. He gets them at home. Uh, but, uh, you know, it certainly would be more favorable if he if that were an away start for Miley. But uh, I like those uh, matchups a lot for him. So if it's a deeper league or you can't afford to spend 15% of your budget, uh, consider Wade Miley. And Carlos Rodon, I imagine there's going to be a lot of interest in him after his season debut. Uh, he does get the Red Sox in Boston, which I don't view as particularly favorable or unfavorable. Uh, how much would you spend on him? I would probably be picking up Rodon, expecting to use him in future matchups and not necessarily expecting to use him right away. And a lot of times when I'm picking up a player like that, the bidding sort of caps out right around 5% because it's difficult to allocate resources to a player you can't use immediately. Um, so I'd be a little bit careful because of that first matchup, but definitely some encouraging signs that we've seen from Carlos Rodon to this point. I liked him so much before all the injuries slowed him down. I mean, the velo compared to where he was at last year, averaging 95.4 on the fastball, that looks really good for him. And I, I hope for his sake that he's completely healthy and ready to kind of get back to being the guy we expected him to be. The one the White Sox drafted him third overall back in 2014. All right. Well, uh, I took a look at the options for saves in my 12-team uh, Tout Wars League, which, by the way, is saves plus holds, so maybe a little bit different of a waiver pool than in your league. But uh, Mark Melanson still out there. I expect that there'll be very aggressive bidding on him. Also, Cesar Valdez, Ian Kennedy, Nick Whitgren, Jake Diekman, and I added Jimmy Garcia to the list for reasons that you and I uh, outlined earlier. So what's your approach to saves this weekend? Yeah, in those leagues like yours where Melanson's still out there, I think he's head and shoulders above the rest of this group. But for the most part, I think I'm trying to go Whitgren and Diekman, speculate on Garcia, and then Valdez and Kennedy are kind of similar to me. I think the thing about Kennedy that seems more sustainable is that as a former starter who still throws a lot of pitches, he's not relying on a gimmick and soft contact. So as great of a story as Cesar Valdez is, I really don't want to have to trust him. I think if I'm getting to that end of the list, we're in the 3 to 5% range in terms of bids. Not going that much higher on anybody else, though. Melanson would be the one exception. If you're in one of those leagues where people just didn't believe to start the season, you're probably going to have to spend 20% of your budget to get him because he's the guy on still what is one of the league's best teams. Yeah, that's, that is for sure. And any hitters that you think are worth spending, say, upwards of uh, 5% on this weekend? You know, where Akil Badu might not have been picked up last weekend, I do think he is worth picking up now. I would think of him as more of a big side platoon player, though. They could play him more than that, but they don't necessarily have to. They have Robbie Grossman, they have Jacoby Jones, so just be careful with the volume of playing time that you're expecting from him. I think he's more of a 15-team sort of target than a 12-team target unless the schedule lines up in a way where they're facing a lot of righties over the course of a week. All right. Well, sounds good. And good luck to everybody this weekend with your fab. So on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode and this week of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're listening to us on a platform that lets you leave a rating or review, we really do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we will be right back here on Monday. <laughs> 